Good morning, everybody. <clears throat> Welcome to another edition of Wisdom Awakening. I'm your host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. Glad to be with you this morning. Hope you had a wonderful weekend, had a chance to get to church. If you don't have a church to attend, or you don't have a church to go to, or you're not going church to church, maybe you're shut in, or, or you're just in a circumstance where you can't get there, don't forget, we live stream every service beginning at about 11.45. That may change to about 11.30, but we live stream services every Sunday morning at about 11, uh, 11.45, 11.50. Like I said, I, that may change for the summer. We may start at 11.30 because I'm thinking of making some adjustments to our service <clears throat> for the summer schedule. Uh, but get to church and, and, and be prayerful. And if you're going to a church or you don't have a church to go to, or you've been going to a church where they're not on the word and they're, they're not taking a stand on the issues of the day and you're frustrated and you're giving your money uh, where you, you're not happy about it, you don't feel fulfilled with it, uh, by all means, check us out. Uh, we're not the only church that is on the word, that is trying to teach the people uh, the right thing according to the word of God, but we are certainly one of them. And so consider us. Thecall.org is our website. We live stream there to Facebook and uh, to, well, and not to YouTube right now. They've got, they've got me suspended until August for medical misinformation. You know how that goes. A bunch of communists, basically. Um, and, and, and enemies of the First Amendment, frankly. But we also stream to bishopewjackson.tv. And that's going to become a mainstay, folks. Give my voice. Like I said, I'm using it quite a bit. But that's going to become a mainstay uh, that you will always be able to go there because that's under our control and nobody can knock me off of it. Bishop E.W. Jackson TV. Um, look, the first thing I want to say, aside from those. Oh, oh, my goodness gracious. I got to get this out uh, on Wednesday, June 30th at the Family Foundation offices. I believe that's 707 East Franklin Street. I think 707 East Franklin Street. Let me double check that, make sure I'm giving you the right information. Uh, we're going to host a, um, I'm trying to get to find the date here. We're going to host a press conference <coughs> entitled SOS. 707 East Franklin Street is right. Entitled SOS, Save Our Seed. And it's going to be about the murders of children in the inner cities of this country uh, at epidemic levels that nobody's talking about, nobody's paying attention to. And we're going to call attention to it. And we're going to demand that the, the so-called authorities pay attention to it. And we're going to hold accountable Black Lives Matter, the NAACP, all these organizations claim to be so concerned about black people, hold them accountable for it. But more importantly, we're going to propose what can be done to stem the tide of violence, particularly against these children, but in general. And it's not the, the pablum that you will hear from the left and from the Democrat Party and from the government, because if they could have solved these problems, they would have been solved or they would have never have occurred. They don't know what they don't have a clue what to do, and I'm not even sure they care. In fact, I think they probably don't care. They would rather see these things continue to go on so they can sweep in as the rescuers and claim racism is the cause of all of it. And, and since they're, quote, unquote, anti-racist, 
uh, that you can look to them for the solutions. The problem is the solutions never appear. The solution never comes. So I, I wanted to get that out there. June 30th, if you're in the Virginia area, you want to stop by, but you got to let us know. Email us at Pastor Marlin at StandAmerica.us. Pastor Marlin, just like it sounds, M-A-R-L-I-N is Pastor Marlin's name. Pastor Marlin at StandAmerica.us to reserve a place because we've got limited seating and we don't want to turn anybody away. So we want to make sure that if you're coming, we know you're coming, and that if the seating is already filled, that we can say to you, hey, there's not going to be any room on the inside. But for those who come, if, there's, if there are people gathered outside, I will come out and talk to them after we finish the formal part of the press conference. Uh, because obviously this is a, an issue that's near and dear to my heart. And I want to speak to as many people as I can about it. And once we get through the press conference, I'll be talking about it to you in greater detail. But I don't want to preempt myself. So June 30th, 10 a.m., by the way, that's 10 a.m. on Wednesday, June 30th is when we will be there. We will have parents from around the country who have suffered the murder of their children and have basically been abandoned by the people who they thought would be by their side and would be helping them to navigate the situation. Uh, so folks, this is a serious, serious situation. Uh, so I hope you'll join us. And, and look, if you can't join us, pray for us, okay? Pray for us. Because this is something that should not be ignored by the mainstream media. And by the way, it won't end on June 30th. It, be, it starts on June 30th. And you'll be hearing from me again and again on this as to what we're doing and steps we're taking, not only in Virginia, which is where we're holding this press conference, but around the country. This is a national press conference. It deals with a national issue. And we will have people from other parts of the country. But we will also be highlighting something that's happening in Richmond and in Virginia so that everybody understands that uh, we're not ignoring Virginia. Virginia is not immune from this. In fact, Virginia is probably looking ahead to worse days uh, unless we have a change of leadership that is willing to support law enforcement and help them to, to stem the tide of senseless violence that is gripping like a stranglehold, gripping the inner cities of our country. Okay. Uh, Look, here's what I want to mention to you, and it's related to, to what I've just said. And then I want to get to the word, get to Ephesians, because I don't think I, I got there on, on Friday. I was surprised to learn that there are a couple of people, they call themselves doulas. I had not was not familiar with the word doula, D-O-U-L-A-S, or D-O-U-L-A, uh, and plural D-O-U-L-A-S, doulas. I think it may well be a substitute for midwife, because now you know in this, in this gender-neutral culture that these crazy leftists are trying to create words and phrases that include the gender or imply the gender of the person are not acceptable, but... I, I don't know that, but here again, they call themselves doulas. Two women who are doulas are writing a book on abortion for children. Here again, folks, if you didn't know me and know that I'm, I'm committed to coming on uh, this, this podcast and telling you the truth, you'd say, come on, that, that's a joke. He's making that up. That, that's, not, that's not happening. No, it's happening. 
these two quote-unquote doulas are writing a book for children on abortion. And when I say children, I mean children. The book is for children ages 12 and under on abortion. And they say that their intention is to normalize abortion as simply, quote, another outcome of pregnancy. Yeah, their intent is to normalize abortion as, quote, another outcome of pregnancy. They say they want abortion to be seen as the same as carrying your child to term or having a miscarriage. You know, it's just it's just part of it's part of pregnancy. Some pregnancies end in abortion, some pregnancies end in live birth, some pregnancies end in miscarriage. It's just one of the outcomes. Of course, the only thing is carrying your baby to term or having a miscarriage are out of the control, usually out of the control of the mother. All they have to do for uh, to carry the baby to term, to term is to cooperate with the process that God put in place. And of course, miscarriages are often the result of some genetic uh, anomaly or problem that the mother might have or, or, or other medical issues, but the mother's certainly not in control of that. Um, but abortion is something that someone has to take affirmative steps to kill the unborn baby, and yet they want it normalized as simply something that happens in the normal course. So the whole proposed book is a lie. It is a lie. It is, abortion is not something that just kind of happens in the normal course, just like live birth or miscarriage can happen. It is something that people have to actively set out to do. They must actively set out to kill that unborn baby. But no, they want children to think differently. Children, 12 years old and under. I'll get to this whole thing of this going after children. Um, here's what they say. They want this book in the children's section of libraries next to all the books about pregnancy. Yeah, they want this in the children's book section of libraries with all the books about pregnancy. And they go on to say, here again, folks, it sounds like I'm making it up. Uh, there are two women, I guess, Manny's and Mar, although I don't know that they call themselves women, but they say as they walk women through the abortion process and provide emotional support, because these doulas are supposed to be like midwives. They're supposed to help in the labor process and all that. But here they're writing a book about killing a baby in the womb is normal. She describes herself, one of them, Manny's, described, it's spelled M-A-N-E-S, I guess that's the way you pronounce it, or Mains maybe, but uh, describes herself as, quote, a white, queer, Jewish, full-spectrum doula from New York who has supported more than 2,000 individuals in their clinic procedures over the years. And they want to finance the book so they can donate it to libraries so libraries can have the book um, without having to pay for them. And 
I, I want to get to something else. Yes, here we go. Here we go. Manny's describes the book as gender inclusive. Pay close attention to this, folks. Don't, you don't want to miss this. As gender inclusive, using no he, she pronouns for children. Because, quote, people of all genders have abortions. Quote, the book is gender inclusive. No he, she pronouns are used because, quote, this is them speaking, people of all genders have abortions. You know, sometimes you, you just don't, you don't know what to say to this stuff, folks. It, it's, it's. They are so disconnected from reality that it's almost like trying to reason with a person who is completely psychotic. You know, you look at them, they look like a human being. They have all the attributes of a human being, but you know that they are so disconnected from reality that you can't, you can't relate to them. They see little green men dancing on your shoulders and think they're going to flap their wings and fly off to another planet. And you look at them and you think, this is a human being. But they don't sound like a human being. They don't think like a human being. They don't talk like a human being. They don't behave like a human being. But these people are not mentally insane. They're morally insane. And, and, and I think there's an analogy there. They're, they are morally insane. Because A, they want to teach this garbage to children, which brings me to another point I want to make, and then we're going to get on to the word. These people are after our children, folks. They really are. They are after our children. And it is deeply demonic. Because talk about normalizing abortion in the minds of children. So they can grow up thinking, oh, I'm, one day I might get pregnant and have an abortion. <sighs> but look, they know they can't have children in the normal course. They know that they cannot procreate in the normal course. And the only thing they can do is to recruit. And all of this is about recruiting children and inculcating children with a degenerate, depraved worldview. That's what it's all about. So the, they want to make these children their future allies in the dystopian world that they want to create, the godless world, the evil world that they want to create. Don't let them have your children or grandchildren. I mean, think about this. Drag Queen Story Hour. Sesame Street has to have a quote-unquote gay family. 
aborting babies by the millions to get rid of them. Just get rid of them. You just don't need them. Teaching sex education to young children beginning at the age of four years old, telling them that they may not, that their gender was just assigned to them, that they, it is up to them to determine their gender because they may have a girl's brain in a boy's body or a boy's brain in a girl's body. And that the adults can help them get the right, get their brain into the right body by harm, with giving them hormones and ultimately genital and, and breast mutilation. And then I read another article this morning, uh, this woman who uh, Biden has tapped for, um, for his, uh, what is this woman being tapped for? Uh, a Bureau of Land Management, being uh, nominated for the Bureau of Land Management. She uh, is quoted in her thesis as saying children are an environmental hazard. I'm serious, folks. In fact, she depicted it with some kind of meme in which she, she gave several choices and said, which of these is the worst environmental hazard? And one of the pictures was a child, and the answer was this child. Having children is an environmental hazard. And then on June 30th, as I've said, I'm doing an ex uh, a press conference to expose the, the genocidal murder of children around this country who, unlike George Floyd, who didn't deserve what he got from Chauvin, and Chauvin's going to spend, what is it, 20 years plus in prison as a result of what he did. George Floyd didn't deserve to die. But George Floyd was out high on methamphetamine and fentanyl and passing counterfeit money, and that's what created his encounter with the police. These children have done nothing wrong to anybody. And when they are gunned down, they are, they are engaged in innocent activity. No wonder the left is not concerned about that. No wonder these mayors are not concerned about it. No wonder the NAACP and Black Lives Matter are not concerned about it because the left isn't concerned about children. They don't care about them. They don't matter. And we know the whole Black Lives Matter thing is a lie. These people don't care about black lives. I mean, come on. People need to wake up. These people have a political agenda, and anything that fits in that agenda, they will use. Anything that doesn't fit in that agenda, if you don't die, if you're not murdered, if you don't suffer violence in the right circumstance, you're irrelevant. Can't use you politically. Step right over your body like it's a piece of trash dumped on the street. And I mean that literally, because that's exactly what they do. The parents of these children reach out and they get told, 
don't bother us. We're busy. No, we're too busy making icons out of, out of drug addicts and, and, and thieves and murderers. We don't have time to, we don't have time to be concerned about your innocent child's death or preventing it. That, that's not, that's, we, we don't, that's not part of our agenda. We're too busy making statues of George Floyd. Who again, didn't deserve what he got and I, I denounced it. It was horrible, but he made certain choices that put him in the position where something such as that could happen. These children did not, but nobody's concerned about them. Nobody's making any memorials to, to, to these children. Well, I'm going to talk about that on Wednesday, what we, what we're planning to do because we're not going to let these children be forgotten and we're not going to let it be forgotten that these children are being murdered willy nilly at the hands of black thugs for the most part across the inner city. And these thugs need to be put in prison and kept there. Now you won't hear that coming from the mainstream media because they're not going to report on the deaths of these children with any kind of uh, consistency. And yet they're happening every single week. Uh, one or more children are murdered in cold blood, doing nothing but what children do when some thugs decide they're going to shoot it out. And what's the left response? Let's teach children how wonderful abortion is. Let's teach them how wonderful homosexuality is. Let's teach them that they may not be the right gender and we'll, we'll help them. Oh, and by the way, not only will we help them find their right gender, but once they found it, we'll keep a secret from their parents. We won't tell, tell them their parents are st stupid. They don't need to know. This will just be between us and the child, the state and the child, the school system and the child. Folks, you know who operates that way? Pedophiles. Pedophiles operate that way. Keep, keep this a secret between us so that they can exploit children. And this is no different in quality as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely no different. And pedophiles weasel their way into the lives of parents so they can get to the children. And you got these public school systems that weasel their way into the lives of these parents and then tell the parents, go take a flying leap in the lake because we got it from here. We'll teach your child what they really need to know. And you stupid Christians, you, you don't know what's going on. So just get out of the way. Particularly you stupid Christians, just get out of the way. You know, folks, it's enough to make you want to fight. It really is. I mean, and, and I'm against violence. You all know that. But it just, it just, it just roils you. Because here again, I think normal human beings, which these people are not, they're not normal. They want to normalize all this stupid, perverse mess. But normal human beings are, are moved by the suffering of children. Normal human beings 
are angered and, 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 and motivated to do something about the abuse of a child. These people aren't normal. They want to abuse children. They want to use them. They want to indoctrinate them, inculcate them. They want to separate them from the ones who really love them and care for them, their parents. They want to separate them from their parents. Just like pedophiles. Pedophiles do the same thing. It's no different. I think these folks have a more long-term satisfaction in mind than pedophiles do. But they use the same strategy. And as far as I'm concerned, they deserve, they deserve the same condemnation. So we're going to, we're, we, we are going to attack this issue of, of, of trying to raise up a new generation to the extent that they let them live, because obviously a lot of them, they would just as soon see die at the hands of abortion or die in the streets of our cities because they don't care and don't lift a finger against that. But for those who manage to survive, they want to make sure that they are as depraved as these people who are now running around in these sick parades all over the country called gay pride parades. They ought to call them sexual perversion parades because that's what they are. Because if the mainstream media really reported what goes on in these places, the American people would turn their, their faces in horror because those parades are sick. And the things that these people are espousing and, and, and de- demonstrating and, and, and showing are, are most, most of the American people look, look, at, look away in disgust. I told you a, a picture of these two homosexuals carrying this kid on their shoulder and one of the homosexuals kissing the boy. They're all males. The kid is a male. They're two males kissing the boy in his mouth. Please. Uh, Folks, I'm so grateful for your prayers and grateful for your support and grateful to have a channel to say these things because they desperately need to be said. If some people think that that what I'm saying is harsh, I think it's harsh to be telling kids we want to be telling people we want to teach children the glory of abortion. We want to teach them the glory of homosexuality and we want to teach them that they have a different gender and we want them to be able to pick their gender because they're, they're wise enough to be able to do that. And you know what, that, what all, that, all this stuff to me is? It's grooming. It's grooming children for their own sexual exploitation. Remember Roman Polanski? Remember how Hollywood rallied behind that sicko? Defended him? So, folks, what I'm telling you is the truth. And and I would say to you, keep your children out, out of these chat rooms. Keep your children off this Internet stuff without your supervision. And don't allow your children to be exploited by these predators out there who the left is giving carte blanche to. Because the left is saying to them, these children are in a position to determine their own gender. They're certainly in a position to determine who to have sex with. If they're they're wise enough to tell their parents, 
I am not what you think I am. I am not what God made me to be. I am something different. And the parents are now supposed to bow to that and say, oh, well, our child has spoken. Oh, what wisdom, what, what insight. And now we're going to get you the hormones and we're going to get you the, the we're going to get you mutilated. We're going to get surgery for you. If the child is wise enough to make that decision, these leftists are by implica implication saying the child is wise enough to determine to have sex. Folks, that's sick. It's sick. It's depraved. And somebody's got to call this mess for what it is and stop playing games. And these networks don't want to don't want to address it for what it is. Because the 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 the, the these homosexuals have so so dominate the culture with their presence in media that people are afraid to call them out for their depravity. But somebody needs to do it. And I'm not going to mince words. I would rather face whatever consequences come from trying to protect children from these predators than have somebody give me some kind of media break because, oh yeah, he knows, he knows what to say. And he knows what not to say. Because homosexuality is the third rail, folks. That's the thing you can't touch. You can, you can tell all kinds of, you can, you can tell all kinds of lies. You can say all kinds of mean, nasty, filthy garbage, but don't, don't say anything against homosexuality. Oh, you're a bigot. You're a homophobe. Yeah, well, no, you know what I am? I'm a protector of children. I'm a defender of what is right. And these doulas, now they want to teach children 12 years old and under that abortion is normal. And they want it to be on all the children's bookshelves so the children can read about abortion and how great it is. <sighs> oh, my goodness gracious. Let's get to the word, folks. Whew. We need some word right about now, don't we? We need some word. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, let me first of all tell you what these are. These, these are actual offices in the church, but I think they describe not only offices, but they describe, shall we say, anointings that should be pervasive within the body of Christ. And I'll tell you what I mean by that in a second. But the office is apostle. The apostle is one who is sent to set in order. The apostle is sent to set in order. Make a straight path for the Lord. Make every valley exalted, every hill and mountain brought low, the rough places plain, the crooked places straight. You know, unofficially, John the Baptist had an apostolic ministry because he was setting things in order for the coming of the Messiah. Now, folks, that's hot off the Holy Ghost presses. But John the Baptist had an apostolic ministry. Now, the apostles were sent by Jesus Christ to go into all the world and preach the gospel, of course, but they were responsible for setting the church in order, establishing order, establishing a framework, 
People talk about organized religion. Jesus is the one, and the Word of God uh, is what organizes the body of Christ, not human beings. Says he gave some to be apostles. And by the way, these offices are not superior one to another. They are simply different administrations, different ministries, okay? Um, and just for your edification, I have an apostolic anointing on my ministry that God uses me to set things in order, okay? I don't run around calling myself an apostle, and so don't, don't mistake me. But I'm saying that anointing is on my life to do some things that God has called me to do. And some prophets. Now, a prophet, people think a prophet is somebody who predicts the future. A prophet, the word prophet comes from the Greek word prophemi, which means to speak forth. A prophet is one who speaks forth the word of God and applies it to and explains its implications for the past, the present, and the future. So what, what, think about Isaiah and Jeremiah and the, and, the, and the prophets of the Bible. What did they do? They, they interpreted Israel's past behavior. They interpreted Israel's present circumstance. And they applied the word of God to predict Israel's future. Was it often revealed by the Spirit of God himself. So the, 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 the prophet has a ministry that in, 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 in includes the past, the present, and the future. So why do you think now, here again, I have an apostolic and a prophetic anointing on my ministry. Why do you think I talk so much about history? Because I'm always interpreting history in light of the word of God. Why do I speak too much to the issue, so much to the issues of the day, not too much, but so much. Because I am interpreting the circumstances of our times according to the word of God. And why do I talk about an awakening coming? Why do I say there is going to be a tsunami? Because I am prophesying what God is going to do about our present situation and what the future is going to look like. Okay? So, I want to straighten out the thinking of people who think that a prophet is somebody who predicts the future. No, a prophet is someone who speaks forth the word of God and applies it to the past, the present, and the future. So I have a, a, an apostolic and a prophetic anointing uh, on my ministry to do the work that God has called me to do. And some evangelists. Now, an evangelist is one who is called to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to get people saved, to get people to believe, to persuade them that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. Now, I said these are not only offices, these are anointings. Every Christian has a prophetic anointing, but even though you may not be a prophet, you have a prophetic anointing on your ministry. Every Christian has an apostolic anointing on your ministry. You may not be an apostle or called to do that, but in every Christian, what's the Bible say in 1 Corinthians 14? Let everything be done decently and in order. Every Christian has that, that anointing on their lives. We want to see decency. We want to see order. We want to take the word of God. We want it to, to see it in application to the past, the present, and the future. 
But that may not be your predominant calling. See, in fact, I would say the I'll get to, by the way, these all come together and overlap. So an evangelist is someone who's called primarily to do what I've just described, proclaim the gospel, get people saved, get people to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, uh, uh, persuade them of salvation. But every Christian is supposed to be doing some of that. That may not be your predominant ministry. That is not my predominant ministry. But as a Christian, I have evangelistic responsibility. But I would never call myself an evangelist with a big E because I'm not. And some pastors and teachers. Now, pastor and teachers are two separate ministries, but they overlap as well. See, I believe that every pastor should be a teacher. Every pastor is not necessarily a teacher, but in my view, every pastor should be a teacher, even if what that means is that pastor facilitates the proper teaching of the congregation. But every pastor ought to be teaching from the pulpit. Preaching is proclaiming. Teaching is explaining. Okay? Um, Preaching is asserting. Teaching is dissecting. So the, the, the proclaimer and the asserter is one who speaks forth the truth. This is it in your face. Jesus died for your sins. Without him, you're going to hell. This is what the word of God says. And it's not just that, but I'm just giving you an example. It's not, that's not all of it, obviously. But there is good news, and the good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You, you, you proclaim these things to people. They don't necessarily need explication. But once people are saved, a pastor needs to teach people the full implications, as Paul said, the whole counsel of God. Okay? These can be separate offices, but they are often overlapping. So the pastor is the teacher. Okay? Now, I just wanted to share this with you because I want you to put yourself in context. Some of you may be called in the ministry in a particular part of this five-fold ministry we're seeing here. I would say my predominant ministry, based on my understanding of where, what God has called me to do, I operate in four of these five categories predominantly. And I would say, in, from my perspective, in this order, pastor and teacher, overlapping, and then apostle and prophet. And the prophetic is very, very strong in my life. The prophetic is very strong. By the way, I mean, I operate in the gifts of word of wisdom and word of knowledge. Uh, most people don't see me doing that, but, but I operate in those gifts. Those gifts are, are, are very, very strong. I'm not always moved because my circumstances and where God put me, those things are not always going to be coming out. But almost Every time somebody says to me, pray for me, I get a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom about that person. Almost every time. I would say probably 90, 95% of the time, God will speak to me. And when I pray for people that I don't know, I will often reveal what God is showing me. And they are like, whoa, 
because that's, that's part of that prophetic ministry that is on my life, but it applies. God uses me more often in the cosmic sense to speak to the nation than in the individual sense, just because of the context of my ministry. Okay. Just because of the context of my ministry. And I, I, I do a whole teaching about context and how important it is that you know your context and understand where God puts you, why he puts you, and when he puts you so that you can do what God puts you there to do. But I, I don't have time to get into that right now. But look, this five-fold ministry, and by the way, all of these are important, but this five-fold ministry is for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. It is not up to the prophet, the, the apostle, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, to do the work of the ministry. It is up to them. They Obviously, they do some of the work of the ministry, but that is that, not their predominant calling. Their predominant calling is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, to equip others for the work of the ministry. Right now, for example, um, we are in the month of July. We're going to be emphasizing all of you around the country that have expressed a desire to be connected to our ministry, and we're trying to set up systems where you can gather together and hear my messages, discuss them, uh, and, and be connected to us. Some of these will undoubtedly evolve into churches. Some of them will just remain maybe prayer groups or Bible studies or what have you. But we are opening the door for that energy that God is unleashing through my ministry to begin to, to, to manifest itself in a, an organized way. So what am I doing? That's that, that's that apostolic aspect of my ministry, of setting things in order, putting things together. See, that's what the Apostle Paul was doing as he traveled the world. He not only preached. Now, Paul had a very strong evangelizing ministry as well as a, I, I think he was less pastor, but evangelism and apostle and teacher, okay? I think less of the prophetic as well. But evangelism, uh, uh, apostle, and teacher were Paul's really strong anointings. And so he went around setting things in order, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, gathering people together, setting things in order, and then teaching people how to live out their Christian life. Equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. That's, our, that's the primary role of the fivefold ministry. And look at this, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. See, we're all supposed to be gathering together as one in Christ, which is why I rail against this idea of a black church and a white church and a this church and a that church. We are one body in Christ. Now, I realize there are demographic realities, okay? And the demographic realities will dictate who ends up going to a particular church at a particular time. And I, that's just the way life is, okay? And that, you know, I hear people say, you know, the, 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 the most segregated hour of the day is Sunday morning. Well, okay, yeah. But, but uh, some of that, by the way, is not because others are excluded. It's just because of the demographic realities. You live in a place that's predominantly one demographic, you choose to go to a church in that area, you're going to find people mainly of that demographic. That's just the way it is. And you might have to travel way out of your way to try to get to a church that is not representative of that demographic. So, but 
the church should never think of itself as we are a Asian church. We are a black church. We are a white church. We should never think of ourselves that way. We are the church of the living God. We're working to come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to oneness in Christ Jesus, one perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's what we're all aiming for. It's a sad reality that the mistake of the antebellum church was to, to turn Christianity into a racial religion. And with people are still feeding off that and saying, you know, uh, in fact, uh, I, I, I didn't even have a chance to get into it, but I read one article today where somebody's denouncing Christianity as the white man's religion and people don't know it was forced on us. What an idiot. I mean, these people are so ignorant. They don't know how to come in out of the rain. It, it, it's just sad. Now, the, the Ethiopian eunuch evangelized part of Africa 2,000 years ago. I mean, Africa and the, the ancient Coptic church, which was born out of that Ethiopian eunuch's ministry, uh, has been around for as long as Christianity almost. And we were running around the other, you know, the, the Christianity is a white man's religion forced. I mean, you don't even know what to say to that kind of stupidity, except just you don't know, so just shut up. Just shut up because you don't know what you're talking about. It was Middle Easterners, and if you use their vernacular, their vernacular, it was Middle Easterners who they would call people of color who introduced Christianity to Europeans, not the other way around. But here again, these leftists never let facts and truth get in the way. Well, folks, I, that's going to do it. I'm going to come back and begin, pick up at, at verse 14. I hope you've enjoyed this. I certainly have, and, and I, I always enjoy being with you. Please uh, write to me, email me. Let me know what your thoughts are. I do want to hear from you uh, because I want this to be an interaction. And believe me, we're going to staff up as we, as I get on television, staff up so that I can do better at responding to your comments or and answering your questions and having a real interaction. But remember, for those of you around the country who are watching me, you say, well, I'd really like to connect to Bishop Jackson's ministry. I really like to be a part of that. July is going to be a month of real emphasis on that, where we're going to try to connect with everybody who's interested. You want to start a Bible study in your home. You want to show uh, some of my messages. You want to show a series. You want to uh, have discussion afterwards and talk to people. Uh, or you might want to bring me in sometime. I, I can't obviously do that for everybody. But in some circumstances, maybe I'll be in your area and you want to do something. And I'd be happy to come to your home or hotel room or something and talk to people there. If you want to get something started and you want people to have a chance to meet me, uh, I'm happy to do that as well. That's what we're going to do in Richmond as we get started um, with a family there that's, that, that is interested in, in creating a ministry in Richmond that will give me an opportunity to talk to some of the folks there. And I'm going to do that by making an in-person appearance to kick it off. So I may be able to do that for some of you in other parts of the country. Uh, and of course, I would do that kind of thing at no charge because it's to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, so just get in touch with us. Let us know. Uh, and here again, I'm not saying I can do everything because I can't. I've got a very, very busy schedule. But to the extent that I can accommodate and can help to get something started in your area, I will. 
God bless each and every one of you. Remember, I'll be back at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on American Family Radio. Uh, AFR.net's the website. You can download the app to listen to the program. And you can also listen to the podcast of the radio program. They're on the AFR.net website. And they're usually up a couple of hours after the program is over. So you want to share it with somebody, you can do that. And they don't have to have listened to the program live in order to, to hear what you might want them to hear. So in the meantime, God bless each and every one of you. Pray for me. We got a very busy week ahead of us. Got a big press conference on the 30th. Uh, just two days from now, got a lot of preparation work to do for that. But I know that God is going to use it mightily because we bathed it in prayer and we're believing God to do something with it. I always say, God, add your super to our natural so that we get a supernatural result. And God never, ever fails. So remember, folks, don't quit. Don't back up. Don't back down. Don't give in. Don't give up. Don't be discouraged. God's got your back. And remember that we cannot be defeated if we will not quit because we are on God's side.